Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So uh, we've been talking for the last uh, several weeks about not done yet. Looking at this encouraging idea that obviously God's not done with us yet. God's not done with your life. He's not done with your marriage. He's not done with your business. He's not done with your ministry. God has a plan. We, we looked at these ideas where something terrible happened, and then in Scripture we see that something great happened. It's like, you know, this happens, and then God comes through. It's awesome. And God does that. That's His nature. That's His character. But I was praying last week while I was sitting out uh, looking at the beautiful mountains in Jasper, and the Lord prompted me with a thought and immediately gave me three thoughts I felt like He wanted me to teach you today. Some thoughts that are, that are uh, important for you as a follower of Jesus Christ to understand and to really know um, that what happens in life when it is done? What happens in life when, when it feels like it is done? What happens in life when there is the death? What happens in life when the, the marriage does get divorced? What happens in life when what you pray for doesn't happen? When it is done, what now? We know God does do things and he's, God's not done yet with this situation, but what, how do we respond as followers of Jesus when it is done, when the relationship is over, when the job, I didn't get that job back, or I didn't get the promotion, or I lost a loved one, and we begin to ask the questions, God, why? Why did this thing happen in my life? Why did this thing that I'm facing happen? Why did this thing happen when I feel like I'm a good person, I do good things, I, I, this and that? God, why? When we have those difficult things that we don't understand in life, how do we manage those as followers of Jesus Christ? How do we manage those? And what is the biblical response in our life when it is actually over? Now, here's the, more, here's the, the, the punchline of our story today. God is never done. He's never, ever done. And as we understand that sometimes on earth, things happen that just don't make Things happen where we just don't understand why. And I want to give you three thoughts today, three thoughts that God put on my heart uh, from our key text here today just to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with Christ as you recognize how to deal with these things. Here's, the first, here's our key text today, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in His resurrection. So if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in His resurrection from the dead, Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on things above, the heavenly things, and not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For if you, you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in his glory. Here's the first thought for you today. First thought is this. When it's done and over, remember that Jesus is enough. Now, I know when you hear that, you know, you think, what do you mean he's enough? Like, I, my house gets burned down, he's going to put this, like, spiritual aura of protection over me, and I need to buy another house? No, no, no. You have to meet your natural needs. Yes, you need food. Yes, you need water. Yes, you, when your house burned down, you've got to get a new house. Yes, the natural things in life that we need, God provides, and he takes care of us. So, yes, we need food. Yes, we need water. Yes, we need relationship. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize that Jesus is ultimately, uh, absolutely our 
source. He is absolutely enough. He is absolutely everything that we need. Jesus is enough. He's enough for our lives. No job will ever satisfy. No relationship will ever satisfy. No child will ever satisfy. No vacation will ever satisfy. No car will ever satisfy. At the end of the day, when everything is taken away from us, we must remember this one truth that Jesus is enough. That Jesus is our source. That Jesus is everything. And here in this verse, it says to keep seeking things that are above. There's a story I was thinking about reading in my, my Bible time in this, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And David was fighting with the Philistines, and the Philistine uh, kings didn't want David fighting with them because he thought he, they were, he was going to trick them and turn on them. So they sent him home. And David and his men came back to their home in Ziklag. As they came to Ziklag, they walked up and they saw the fire from the distance and the, the smoldering of their city. And they walked up and realized that their home, the enemy had come and burned their home to the ground, had taken every single possession that they had. And they took their wives and their, 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 their sons and their daughters. Not only that, but everyone, all the men that were with them blamed it all on David. And the scripture says that they wanted to stone David. Now that is a bad day. Imagine for a moment you came home and your house, house is burned to the ground and someone took a, took a truck and stole all your stuff. And they took your wife or your kids or your loved ones and all your neighbors wanted to blame you because you did something wrong and now they're all talking about calling the cops on you or killing you. That's a terrible, terrible day. That is one of the worst things you can imagine. Your home being burned to the ground and your family being kidnapped. But in this scripture, we learn David, a man after God's own heart, we learn how he responded in the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And it says this, but David, you can help me out here, Joel, thank you. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Look, he found strength. David lost everything. His first response wasn't anything else other than turning to Jesus, his source. Jesus was enough. Jesus is all I need. Jesus, I need your strength. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, you are everything to me. David could have gone and started fighting, getting angry. David could have gone and got, gotten drunk. Or David could have gone and looked at pornography. Or David could have gone and went gambling. Or David could have gone and leaned in more to relationships. Or worked harder. Or gone and done more. Or tried to throw himself into his career. No, David stopped and realized that when everything is taken away from you, Jesus is all that I need in my life. Nothing else satisfies. We know David thought this way because in Psalms 16, verse 2, it says this. It says that, uh, I, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Look at, look at this. Without you, I have nothing good. Without Jesus we have nothing that's good. In another translation on the next slide, look what it says. I say to the Lord, you are the Lord, my only source of well-being. Asaph, one of the worship leaders in the temple, wrote Psalm 73, and this is what he said. Look what he said in Psalm 73. My body and my heart may grow weak, but God is the strength of my heart. And all that I need forever. Now, I want you to hear me. As a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a foundational truth for your life. Nothing else in your life 
will satisfy you and bring you the strength and the hope that you need other than Jesus. It is our temptation to turn to all other things, but He is all we need. You are more than enough for me, Jesus. My relationship with you and what you provide for me and the blessings that you give and the grace that you give and the help that you give. God, you could take my car away and take my home away. And Lord, even life itself, I would still know that, God, you're all that I need. Here's a second thought today. When it's done and it's over, remember that we only see half the story. You and I, when we experience difficulties in our life, we have to understand something, that you and I only see what's temporary. Look at this in our verse, Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth. Look at which have only temporal value. You and I only see one side of the story. You and I only see one side of what's really going on. You and I cannot make sense of what's going on in our life most of the time. When a loved one dies and it doesn't make any sense. When I lose that job and it, I just don't, God, why would you do that? I know I could go around the room and hear the stories of people in the room who said this happened in my life and literally it feels like there's no reason at all. Why, why would a loving God allow that? Why would this thing happen in my life? I want you to know that those are the types of mysteries of this planet that we only have one side of the story. But when you and I spend an eternity with Christ, He will then reveal to us His mind and His heart because God's ways are higher, God's thoughts are higher, and you and I are just human creation. It doesn't change the reality of the difficulty. It doesn't change the fact that you want to question God. That's okay. Questioning God and having that conversation, feeling those emotions, feeling grieved, feeling frustrated, being a little bit angry, those things are acceptable. We see those all throughout Scripture. People who are upset and frustrated with the life that they're living and don't know why things are turning out like they've turned out, but we realize in Scripture that God always comes and says, listen, you are the creation. I am the creator. You don't have my mind. You have a human mind. You only see half the story. Look what he said, Job, a man who I'm sure you've heard about, but maybe not. He said, man, this is one of those mysteries of Scripture. We see in the very beginning of Job's life that we actually see behind the scenes where Satan was looking for someone to mess with, and God said, hey, have you considered my, my, my buddy Job? Like, hey, I want to beat someone up today. Someone comes to me, oh, have you thought about Andrew? He'd, be, he'd take it like a man. Here, God, Satan says, I'm looking for someone to mess up. God says, have you thought about Job? This is all, he'll just protect him. He goes, okay, I'll take my protection away from him. But listen, he's not going to curse me. He's going to stay faithful to me. So look, Job, Job lost his home, homes. He was very wealthy. He lost all of his money, lost his career, lost his livestock, lost his servants. He lost his whole family. And then ultimately, he lost his health. Literally, Job was stripped in this life of everything that you and I would hold as valuable. And then Job's friends decided, with a good intention, to come and console Job. They found Job, and they wanted to help Job. And so they sat with him, and they probably should have just sat there and shut up, really. But instead, they thought they'd give their two cents on why Job was dealing with what he's dealing with. And if you read through the book of Job, all his friends were basically saying is, there's got to be a reason why this is happening to you. That is the existential challenge with the world we live in. We always say there's got to be a reason when sometimes we don't know the mind of God. And these men tried to talk 
to Job and said, ultimately, the reason you're facing this problem is because there's sin in your life. And if you just repent, it'll fix it all. Now, we learned later that God had a bone to pick with these guys and just said, you should have just shut up and been there for him. Don't try to question God. But then we learned that Job, who didn't sin in the whole matter, actually didn't speak ill of God, even though he had some real conversation with God. He may have crossed the line just a little bit because Job was a righteous man of God. He really didn't do very many bad things. And so there had been a thought in his mind that I'm a good person, therefore this shouldn't be happening. And that's where he maybe crossed the line where he assumed that his goodness was outside of only by the grace of God. And here we see in the story, in Job chapter 38, God came to Job after this long book and said, now I want to bring you the conclusion. Look what it says in Job chapter 38. It says this. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Look what he says. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come. Here your proud ways must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? This was God's response to the human who was experiencing tremendous challenges that had no reason. I'm God. You're a human. You don't have the mind of God. You don't understand the things that I'm doing because you're only on this side of eternity. You only have half of the story. And this is how Job responded. Job, recognizing what he was facing, Job, uh, in uh, chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? And Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I want you to read that again. How could I ever find the answers? I want to answer for you an age-old question that has been haunting you and me for our entire lives. The question of why do these things happen? I want you to know today, at the end of the day, God has always been good and always will be good despite what we experience in our lives. We look for the answers of why did this happen and why did that happen? And the driving force behind that is understandable. Why did these bad things happen? I want the answers too, but we only have one side of the story because we're only on this side of eternity. He says, I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And then a couple chapters later in Job 42, he continues and he says this, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things that I knew nothing about. These things were just too wonderful for me. And he says this, You said, listen, and I will speak, and I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I'd only heard about you before. I mean, I had a relationship with you, but the experience that I faced, the hardship that I was up against, 
I'd only really heard about you. He says, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I've experienced you through this challenge. I've experienced you through this hardship. I've seen you in a way that I've never seen you before. And so I take everything back and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. This is basically what Job was saying. Oh my goodness, I have come to know you in a way that I've never known you through this difficulty. And now I realize that you are God. You are the creator. I am the creation. And I only really have half the story. And that the nature and the character of God is good and always has been good from generation to generation, from the beginning to the end. God is good. Even when it doesn't make sense to us. Our belief that God is good doesn't mean that makes God good. God's good whether we believe he's good or not. He just is good. And so we have to recognize something in our journey. Look at this in verse 16 of, of 2 Corinthians 4. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Verse 18. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Look at the temporary difficulty. Now I have it. As I mentioned, experience many of the things you've experienced. I'm sure you've experienced some tremendous things in your life that I've never experienced. So I don't want to begin for a moment to minimize the pain and say, you're not allowed to feel sad, you're not allowed to grieve. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we're all human and we feel the pain of it and the hardship of it. Sometimes it takes us a while to get out of the hole of frustration and disbelief. I've been there, trust me, but maybe not in the same place you have. So I'm not pretending to say I know what it's like to be in your shoes, but I am teaching you what the Bible teaches about when we face circumstances that don't make any sense. That at the end of the day, we fix our eyes on things that cannot be seen. Here's the last thought for you today. When it is done and over, remember that eternity is our focus. Remember that heaven is our home. I have to tell you this today. This is one of the most foundational biblical truths for every person today who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. This is pivotal and foundational. This is what separates those who know God, uh, who have a relationship with Jesus, rather, and those who do not. Here's, here's the difference. We never die. People who believe in Jesus and have a personal relationship with Christ will never, ever die. We live in a society today that's afraid of death especially with COVID and sickness and all sorts of things. One of the greatest tragedies of the Christian church is giving in to this idea of fear and death when Jesus has conquered death. We never die. Therefore, you and I do not have to be afraid of death because death does not win. We never die. You say, Ryan, you making this up? No, Jesus said it in John chapter 11. Look what he says in this verse. He says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. So when you and I experience challenges and difficulties in our life, we must understand something, that even those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have died before what we think to be their time, we have to remember something, they haven't died 
idea of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When you give your life to Christ, you are promised a life everlasting with Christ. And trust me, the life to come is more real than the life we live in now. Anyone ever seen The Matrix? Just kidding. The life that we live now is nowhere near the life that we will live in heaven. Paul says that we see dimly through a glass that what we experience now on this earth will soon be revealed to us later. That when Christ comes back, when Christ returns for his church, when you and I experience a personal relationship with Christ, we can know that nothing on this planet can bother us or harm us. Yes, we might experience sickness, and yes, you might experience physical death, and yes, you might experience hardship, but our, our, our eyes and our affection and our attention is that heaven is our home and that you and I are simply vagabonds on this planet. We are visitors on this planet. This is not our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. We must understand that Jesus conquered death, and our, our focus is heaven. So when you and I experience challenges and difficulties in our life, we say, yes, it's hard, and yes, it's difficult, and yes, it might take you uh, maybe months, sometimes years to process through this reality in your life, and maybe sometimes it's hard, and I, I get all that, and I, I experience it on some level, and I know you have too, but at the end of the day, we must come to a conclusion that, Jesus, you're my source, and that, that I don't only really have half the story, and then at the end of the day, Jesus, my focus and my attention and my, my mindset is on heaven because this is not my home. This is just temporary. In fact, look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says this, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and you've lost a loved one, it's hard. Trust me, when my uncle, when my uncle died, it was a hard hit for me. It took me about a year just to process the fact that he had passed. But look at this verse. It says that when believers who've died, the previous verse, please, when believers who have died, you don't need to grieve like people who have no hope. You don't have to grieve. Yes, there's a natural grieving process in life when job loss or difficulty. Or, yes, there's the natural human emotion. Hear me, I'm not saying you shouldn't grieve. But what I am saying is this, is that there comes a point as followers of Jesus where we stop and remember, wow, heaven is my home. I don't have to grieve. I have hope. Why? Look what the verse says in verse Verse 14, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, and look at this, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So I encourage each other with these words to be encouraged that you don't have to be afraid of death any longer. Come on, church, as followers of Jesus Christ, fear is not allowed. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm going to preach for a minute to you because we live in a world where there's a lot of fear. And listen, yes, God's will be done. How, whatever time on earth he has for us, yes, I want to live a long life and I want to see my kids, kids, kids. Of course, I want to see those things. But listen, you and I have nothing to be afraid of because Jesus conquered death and you and I have been given access to an eternal life with Christ that is more real than the life we live right now. Revelations chapter 21. Yes, I'm ending on Revelations chapter 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. 
He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. And there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, Jesus says, uh, Lord, he says, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He also said, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and I'm the Omega. I saw the beginning and I saw the end. I am the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. This is the hope for those who choose to follow Jesus Christ. That you will never die. And you will live in an eternity with Christ forever in the new heaven and the new earth. Why? Because this life we live, this material life is just temporary. And even though we experience a soul impact when things happen to us on this life as followers of Jesus. We're reminded that Jesus, you're my everything. You're my source. That man, as I live on this planet, I actually don't have the ability to wrap my mind around the purposes and the realities of God because you're too big. And that I don't live for this planet. And that heaven is my home. And then when I spend an eternity with God, all these things, thank God, COVID and restrictions, and the, there will be no government, amen? There'll be Jesus' government. Wipe away every tear from your eyes. I end today. I just thought this was interesting. This a lady, a jo Joni Erickson Tada, was a quadriplegic. And she wrote this about heaven. She lived in a place where she was completely paralyzed from the neck down. Follower of Jesus. Lived a very challenging life. And this is what she said. I can still hardly believe it. I, with shriveled, bent fingers and atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from shoulder down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope that gives someone with a spinal cord injury like me, or someone who is cerebral palsy, brain injured, or has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is a manic depressive, who deals with anxiety, someone who is down and out, no other religion, no other philosophy promises us new bodies in this new heaven and this new earth. No other religion promises new bodies, new hearts, new minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. In a world that is stricken with fear, disease and loss you and I have an eternal hope in Jesus Christ this thing in your life might be done but God's not done it may have ended in death the marriage may have gotten a divorce you may have wanted to end, in, end your own life but I want you to know today that God created you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and he has a purpose for every single purpose person in the room and then even when you feel like it's over 
I need you to know something today that God's thoughts and his wisdom and his heart for you is so much bigger for you to even comprehend and that he's been good from the beginning and will be good to the end. He will always be good and always be for you. Jesus is our source. We only have half the story. And heaven is our home. We must fix our gaze on heaven. Amen? Come on, would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. Come on, Jesus. We just want to say thank you. I know in my heart there are people watching online and there are people watching, even in this room today, who do not have an active relationship with you, Jesus. Some of them might be thinking, what do I got to do? Do I got to be better? Do I got to read more? Do I got to give more? No, none of those things. The Bible teaches, Lord, that if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if we believe it in our heart and we believe it and confess it with our mouth, the Bible says you're saved, and then the Holy Spirit begins to partner with us and he begins to change our lives. So, Father, we just pray today for those that are watching and don't know you. Those who are unsure what happens when they die, whether they'll spend an eternity with you or an eternity without you, God. And I pray those people today, Father, would make a, a personal confession of faith to ask you into their life so that you can change them and, Lord, bring them back, reconcile them back to the person that you intended them to be from the beginning. It's very simple. We just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Jesus Christ, I believe you are Lord, and I want to invite you into my life right now. And immediately you're saved, and it begins to change you and transform you, and you'll spend an eternity in heaven, and you'll spend in, right now an abundant life on this planet. Father, I pray for the rest of the people in the room, those who are, have fear in their life right now, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of all these things. God, we pray that perfect love would cast out all fear right now, that there will be a new faith and a new joy in our lives today to remember that Jesus is all that we need. We just say today, Lord, that we're thankful that you forgave us and healed us, set us free. And we just recommit our hearts to you afresh, God. And we say, God, we fix our attention on you. We fix our attention on heaven. And we want to live, Lord, as ambassadors for you on this planet today. And we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.